Welcome to the Where You Stumble podcast. I'm Emily. I'm joined by Frank and Matt. Today is the 16th of February. All right. We're glad to be here. Same. So, Emily, um, I can introduce myself. You can introduce yourself, and then we'll introduce Matt, or he'll introduce himself. <laughs> okay. So I'm Frank. I started Where You Stumble with Emily. Uh, we'll go into the details on how and why. Um, I've been uh, I've been wanting to do this for a very long time because I've had I have a lot to say. I have some crazy thoughts that go through my mind and trying to figure out and understand why. Um, and yeah, so we started, that's what we, you know, we started this and see if in our, in my own journey, I can help others, um, in their journey. All right. I'm Emily. I am Frank's daughter. I, I similarly have like this thirst for knowledge about other people and, and how they work because it helps me figure out how I work. And so with that, I've gotten, you know, that has shaped the, the hobbies that I've gotten into mostly like how to talk to people, how to ask them questions and just studying the way people do people stuff. Yep. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Frank and Emily's cousin. Um, I pretty fascinated with self-education in general. Um, I've always been a big fan of philosophy. I studied philosophy and literature in college and used that to go into IT because that's the proper career path. <laughs> um, um, that's me. Yeah. So we're both in IT. And that's yeah. funny that, that uh, Matt, you remember, um, I think I'm 10 years older than you. So we spent a lot of time together when I was, when I was uh, a lot younger and you were a kid and I used to, um, you know, we used to hang out a lot and then we both grew up and sort of went our, our ways and we both ended up in IT. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about that during these calls and, and outside of these calls. I hope so. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to pick your ear on a couple of different things. I'm sure. Yeah. So the, I think the topic, man, you guys can run away with the topics for, for, you know, however you guys want to do this tonight. You know, we've, we have plenty of things we want to talk about. And I'm sure you heard in, in John's podcast, we were talking about a lot of stuff and we want to get into those things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if Emily, if you have something you, you want to, to, you know, to talk about. Yeah, I was going to ask, Matt, how did you get into philosophy? Like, what was your, like, what made you start that? Yeah, so I had started just totally, like, all over the place, like, not knowing at all what I wanted to do. When I went into college, I originally wanted to go for video game design, which, like, Frank will tell you, I was always, like, glued to Super Nintendo as a kid. Um yeah. Like, I think everyone was back in those days, though. Like, yeah. it's just video games were huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like a lot of different things were just happening in video games. So it was like almost like a new art form, which not that it's not still evolving today, but um, and that didn't work out for me. Um, 
that's that we can talk about on a where you stumble, like a more serious one. Yeah. <laughs> but um, after that, I decided maybe I wanted to be an English teacher because I was dating a chick that was an English teacher at the time. Um, that didn't work out. Uh, but finding literature and seeing that, like, what I loved about video games was all of the little, like, art forms within it. What I liked about literature was all the philosophy and art form within it. What I liked about philosophy was literally everything. Um, so, like, as I finished out with my English teaching degree, the teaching courses became more mundane and more boring. It didn't feel as important to me. But all of the philosophy stuff, I was, I was the dude stopping class halfway through, like, ranting with the professor back and forth, like, no, you're not understanding the argument. That's not what Nietzsche is That's saying. Great. And then the professor would stop and be like, oh, okay, so your point is such and such. And we would like have these discourses and it would be like the whole class, these are like 200 level courses. It's not like, you're not supposed to be doing this there. Um, so other students like completely over their heads. Um, but then apart from that, I was a C student. Like I didn't care about any other classes. Um, so I literally like claim to fame I graduated with a minor in philosophy and a degree in literature uh, from St. Joseph's College. And I handed in my thesis four days before graduation. Uh, meanwhile, it was due, I think, a month before graduation. But my teacher kept extending the deadline for me, or my, my mentor at the time. Um, yeah. And just like random things between then and now, I've the more that I dig into philosophy, the more that it just pays back dividends, the more that you like, you're never going to find a point where it's like, okay, you're done. Like you've learned mm -hmm. enough. It's over. You figured it all out. It's just every time that you think like, oh, this is the source of this idea. It's like, no, 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 no. Like 300 years ago, someone had a completely similar idea. They were totally wrong, but the fundamental element of that philosophy comes from there um yeah that's like to me that's always fascinating that you can like keep going further and further back mm -hmm. to find more ah that it drives me nuts <laughs> yeah how did you get into it em so when i was in middle school i started realizing that i acted very different from other students and i wanted to know why well, not just students but from other people so I first started studying like psychology and sociology because my impression of those topics before I knew anything about them was that I'm going to get like a very like a very explicit manual of what causes a person to do a thing mm -hmm. and it didn't really work out that way <laughs> so and I gravitated toward more topics that are like less rigid so like philosophy like anthropology and things like rhetoric um and epistemology like those gave me a much deeper understanding of how other people think and how i should interact with other people um so yeah i've i've gotten like a i have a great interest in rhetoric now in communication and understanding other people and explaining my ideas to other people yeah, I think I mentioned this uh, in the other podcast that um, Emily's rhetoric <laughs> has helped me in 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 also discovering things, and you know, and we have discussions about 
pretty much anything. Um, and she has helped me even change my stance on, on, on things because, and that's, and Matthew knows me. Um, I'm, I, I used to be a lot more stubborn, um, in my belief in things, but when you have a compelling argument, you know, who can argue with that? Right. So that's something that I think Emily's study has helped in, at least has helped me. And, yeah. and, and in many ways, not in just, you know, changing my stance on, on a particular topic, like I had mentioned in the other podcast about like the death penalty, like, um, you know, there's other things. And I think understanding ourselves and being able to communicate and, and, and being open to communication is, uh, is a great way to, to learn more, not only about ourselves, but about others and everyone else around us. So, I think it's kind of funny, like on the note of like, you noticed in middle school, Emily, that like you thought different kind of like that you, you weren't interacting the same way. Do you think like, was it something that you felt was always there and it's like you started to notice it more in middle school or is it something um, that like you were starting to like read different subjects or starting to like learn different things that made you really cement onto that idea? So I'm pretty sure it's just because I'm autistic actually. Like I didn't know that I was autistic growing up, um, but you know, because I wasn't diagnosed early, um, well, a lot of, a lot of girls, are they usually realize later on just because of the way that girls are raised to you know whatever reasons so like obviously if you're born autistic it's not something that you get later on in life but yeah i think like i could recognize it in myself even before middle school but it wasn't alarming enough for me to do that level of introspection but in middle school it's that's when like clicks are happening and things like that like the social atmosphere is changing but yeah. i wasn't changing in the same way that other kids were changing so i wasn't i wasn't interacting with them in the way that they wanted me to interact i was still acting like a fifth grader in eighth grade or whatever yeah i, I think i can say that i noticed that you were different but i didn't know enough about it so and it didn't cause any issues so it wasn't alarming, right? It's like, oh, mm -hmm. I have my kid. She's super interested in a bunch of stuff and she's bright and she's got this yeah. crazy way of seeing the world. And I actually, I like it because, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't um, hold you back in, mm -hmm. in, at least in learning, right? Like maybe socially it, 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 it might hold you, you know, hold you back. But um, I didn't think it was a problem because yeah you excelled yeah that so. brings up you know i think we talked about this before when people talk about like high functioning versus low functioning you know that applies to a lot of things not just autism not just depression but it's like as if something doesn't cause a problem in whatever aspect of your life people don't recognize it as even existing yeah i mean i i discovered things about well i had to have a kid to grow up to do all this research to determine that I am ADHD. I was not ever diagnosed, right? Because you, Matt, you know, I, we come from a different time and I come from a different time than you do. So, you yeah. know, um, there was no such thing as ADHD 
for um, Dominican kids. Not in There's my time. A, uh, I don't know if you guys watch SNL, but recently with uh, Pedro Pascal on, they had this little skit of like the Spanish mom. Yeah. And when I watched it, I literally laughed out loud and immediately sent it to Mary <laughs> because I was like, yo, how do, like Pedro Pascal had to have told them himself. Like, yeah, yeah. this is like Spanish family shit that. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean. To, I know people haven't really cursed. I don't know if you're. No, yeah, if that's it's okay. No enough. big deal. Okay, um, like that moment where he's like, "Oh, he has ADHD or what?" Like the guy's talking about how, "Oh, she helped me with my ADHD, and I'm seeing a therapist now." And she's like, "Yeah," and it's yeah. just like, "Uh, yeah." We're trying to break that. Yeah, we're trying to break that because um, I was I was never diagnosed, and I yeah. I. Now I can look back. I'm going to be 45. I can look back at so many times where I'm like, that freaking explains it. That explains yep. it. And it's just like, even, you know, I mean, childhood, adolescent, you know, I remember times in high school. I remember times as an adult, like even now as an adult, like, ah, okay, that's why I do the, the things I do. And I never, you know, I just went my entire 45 years, which is kind of crazy. If and you yeah. ever have the chance, there's one thing like on that note, just to connect both those ideas together real quick. The, the crazy thing for me about it, like seeing, like figuring these things out about ourselves, like I'm kind of in both your camps. I'm, oh, great. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I'm... I have ADHD. I take 15 milligrams of Adderall for it daily. And then I'm like lightly autistic. Like I register on tests, but it's not, it's, I guess, similar to Emily. It's like high functioning. Um, and my fiance jokes about it because I'm obsessed with vacuums. It's, yeah. it's a thing. Like I get excited about them, but like, if you look in history, there are a lot of figures that like knowing what we know, about mental health and like the different diagnoses now you can look back at them and be like that's definitely someone that was on the spectrum or that's definitely bipolar or that like yeah like kurt vonnegut there's no way the man wasn't on the spectrum or like dostoevsky is so bipolar it's not even fun like it's sad that there yeah. was no treatment for him well, I don't mean to cut you off, Frank. Sorry. It's, I didn't want to forget that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, but, you know, the thing we're trying to, what we're trying to do, like, is to let people know, like, you know, this is, this is, um, this is normal. Mm -hmm. Right. It, yeah. It's normal. There's not, there's not, um, there's nothing wrong with it. And I actually embrace it. Um, I read the book, The ADHD Advantage, um, and that that actually helped me a lot because it helped me to see that there is that it's not a um, it's not a disorder. You don't have to look at it that way. And um, the whole, uh, you know, attention deficit and it, it's the book says it. It's like attention difference, hyperactivity difference. It is not a disorder, and it's just a difference. How how can a person um, 
do a multitude of things and just keep going and going and going and going unless they're able to do that. And I think the three of us have done it just in different consoles. I did it on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Matt did Nintendo and I'm sure PlayStation and, and others. Still and Emily's on, And Emily's on the PS5 playing Red mm-hmm. Dead for, you know, for 10 hours. I have a new game, actually. I've been playing No Man's Sky. That's my new fixation. But the point stands. We'll lose days in that game. I have already. Yeah. I still but, have it running. I just right. have it paused. But the, but the point still stands yeah. that we all did the same thing. I spent so many nights playing Super Mario Brothers right one two and three and and then you know mario world until i beat it and i couldn't i would not stop until i beat it i think i was one of the only kids in the neighborhood that beat super mario 2 because (laughs) um i had to right it's like that it's you know once you're fixated that's it nothing is gonna stop you and you know it could become bad but you can also embrace it so embrace you know if you embrace it um it's not bad. I think the funny thing with it is for me that we have, I think of it more like, and you're the one that actually put me on to comics more than anything because you were big on Gambit. I remember you had drawn yeah. Gambit on your wall in your room. You used like a projector. I he did. literally I, had like a projector. and I, like, still, I think we still have it. I in. still have it, Matthew. That's yeah. dope, dude. That I is still, dope. I don't have the wall because I moved, but I, have the <laughs> yeah. pro- but I have the projector, which is amazing. Yeah. That is dope. Like it, like you put me on a con and like, I still read to this day. I still read Batman and Spider-Man. Like I'm just, I actually have a Spider-Man tattoo, uh, this arm. I have a Spider-Man tattoo. Nice. But yeah. But the, um, the big thing being like, it's, it's, I don't think of it any differently than like superhero powers. Like I look at the I whole agree. like ADHD and especially like autism too, like autism, the systems thinking that people with autism can do is mind-blowing it's stuff that like a normal like a a neurotypical that's the word neurotypical brains can't process like there are people that are really severe autistic will look at a scenery once and full recreation like mind-blowing accuracy Mm -hmm. or even like we have um we have two models of disability that i'm a huge fan of it you have the medical model of disability where like on a medical level this is disabling to a person like um, I don't know, having some, like you weren't born with an arm, like that's a medical disability because you don't have something that would be useful. And then there's the social mm-hmm. model of disability where it's really easy to understand things like ADHD and autism from that point of view where it's only disabling um, in the context of a society where non-autistic traits are preferred. So, but, you know, you can still you can still take advantage of your autistic traits and it would be it wouldn't be a disability, um, you know, in a different context. I think those things need to be rewritten, right? The way things are classified as disabilities, because it I'm able to function completely fine. Um, I as I even better now that I recognize it because I know, right? So if you know and you're able to to recognize it, you do use it to your advantage where I'm like, okay, yes, I can hyperfixate on things um, like an album, right? And I will burn through an album 
Uh, <laughs> but I can also hyperfixate on solving a problem at work that no one else can solve because yeah. they will not be able to give that the attention in that that form, right? In that way. Um, and I've done it where like I'll have something to do. I can't do it um, during work hours. I go to sleep and I figure it and out you in wake my up sleep and... and I do it. And, you know, that's just, that is like a superpower. You know, I'm not at work. I'm not like uh, saving any lives or whatever, but still yeah. it, I solve a problem that I was asked to solve. Um, but on the medical side and the, and society and the way the system works, things need to be rewritten. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm I didn't push of the that. Complete overhaul of psych of the of what do they call it? Psycho no, psychology of yeah, the DSM and how things are classified and the whole the the medical industry of of the brain. I can't remember the word of hmm. psychiatry. It's yeah. a complete overhaul of that. It's. I would even push it further. Like you had mentioned, Emily, that like with medical things like if you lose an arm that's a disability i would be a little more extreme with that like i would say even that's not really a disability yeah like in a in a weird way like so like, i mean frank <laughs> i'm not religious i've i've heard that neither are you guys yeah but, no um not. it's yeah it, i mean but to that point though like i do still carry like some weird traits from having been raised catholic where like I am a firm believer that the universe works at everything with intent. Mm -hmm. So like when people lose, like one weird example I have that I always give people with this is people that are born without vision are robbed the gift of sight. But if not for the fact that those people were born without sight, we would not have invented ASL. And if we hadn't invented ASL, we wouldn't know that babies communicate faster with sign language than they do verbal communications. Mm -hmm. And people now have like six months. My kid, my friend's kid is yeah. six months old and he will tell you he can't speak, but he'll show you like to yeah. let you know, like, I'm hungry. Just feed me. Yeah. And it's like he's six months old, but he knows what he wants already. Like, yeah, that is like, a I think, point. And then to that point further like with missing limbs or anything our prosthetics tech is getting crazier and crazier and now we're actually working i can't remember the name of the company but i'd seen something on big think where like they're working with kids to do literally lifelong prosthetics where like they're having them adapt and then the prosthetic can literally grow with the kid so that it's not wow. uh, like incredible it is but it's it's because they don't have arms like, well you yeah. know i mean things <laughs> Things happen and we solve the problem, right? Right. Um, you know, again, it, you know, I think it's just some humans are born to solve problems. They, I think, I mean, obviously all humans are born to solve some problem, but some humans want to solve bigger problems because yeah. they, they're just wired that way, right? They're just like, okay, I'm going to be the guy that builds the prosthetic that grows right because that's whoever um did we lose matt you lost me for a second because yeah i'm i'm popular around this time of night that's what no. happened. 
That's... Do you have a Discord server or something? <laughs> I have I have a Discord server that I play in Destiny 2. I have multiple friends across the country that always want to FaceTime the game and stuff. So it's I got it. And then my fiance's in Florida right now. So but she knows I'm on this, so she knows like that's No, this is awesome. I forgot what I was saying. I think, well, yeah, like there's always that one human that wants to solve the problem that other humans think is unsolvable. And I love that. I mean, it's, come on. It's, it's amazing that, that, that we exist and we're able, and we exist to do that. I agree. Yeah. You, there was one thing you had mentioned earlier. I remember you being such a big, RPG guy. <laughs> See, I didn't do you know RPG games, right? Like I liked Super Mario Brothers and Street Fighter. Like that was I remember that, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Tetris. Like so like Super Mario, Tetris and Street Fighter and that was it. Like I was just but I remember you did the RPG big time, big time. And you were ahead, I think you were ahead of your time because that's like how all the games are now. Every game pretty much has introduced RPG yeah. systems, yeah. all of them. It's funny. I remember like you. <laughs> I remember trying to play fighting games, but you never went easy on me. So like I learned to just not even play anyone. <laughs> anyone that has played me and Emily yeah. knows knows yeah. that in video games you don't go easy on people. Because this isn't the real world, okay? I yeah. yeah. Learn the hard way, just like I did. I have to mention there was one guy that I could never really beat. My cousin Fuddy. And Street Fighter. He was too good. So he's gonna see this one day. And he knows it. He's the only guy that I could not really consistently beat in Street Fighter. He was too good. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but for me it was um you remember Amparo that mm -hmm. lived on Eastern Parkway? Mm -hmm. Her I think it was either her son or nephew or someone. Um I wanna say his name was Richard. It wasn't Enrique, right? His her youngest son? Not like her a... son. It was like a nephew that was living with her. Um and he like went to work at a GameStop or something. Like he was big on video games. He had put me on to like well, PlayStation in general, but he put me on to like the Final Fantasy games, and it was mm. that was it. Forget it. After that, I was just hooked. Um, and then, like, what was it? Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night on PlayStation was the other big one. That's the one that, like, really I couldn't put shit down. And Mega Man, Mega Man is still like that's that's always gonna be like creme de la creme for me. I liked playing Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation, that was fun. Crash is dope too, yeah. Those are all like those are OG. But you don't play video games anymore, Frank, or um, not really. I want him like... to play Red Dead. I've been trying He'd to really... you know, find some time for him to do that. It's really a matter of time. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm really busy. I'm super busy, so um, I have to schedule it. You have to, yeah. Like I have to. I tried playing The Witcher. Um, yeah. It's just, it's really just a matter of time. It's not that I don't want to play. It's, it's mostly. My schedule is really busy, so pretty much. I think you would also like. Have either of you played The Last of Us? I haven't, but I have them, and I'm planning to play them soon. 
Yeah. Oh, I've only man. I've that's... only heard that it's really good. That's all. I, like I started the first one, but I I stopped because one of the missions was like too hard. It was with like the clicking zombies. That one I just I rage quit. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? <laughs> I have to mention this when you mention rage quit. My dad plays dominoes on the <laughs> iPad and he plays other people and if <laughs> If someone's about to beat him, he rage quits. He's 72. It's the funniest thing. Like he's just he close the app. Yeah, it's the funniest thing. So I just wanted to mention that. I I still remember like them playing like at your parents' house, like in the apartment. Like what was yeah. it at uh 260 crown? 240 crown. 260 is where Jesse lived. 240 crown. And them like they would get so mad when they were like putting down the last domino to win. You would just hear like thunk, yeah. like slamming the shit out of a domino just to like show that they won or whatever. They were so pissy. Like Yeah, it was so <laughs> weird. I we we uh we had some good times back then. That we did. We had a lot of fun. You know what I'll I, never forget? I have I wanted to bring this up because it's I don't want to say, like, I'm not trying to discredit Emily in any way. Not by any means. Like, I'm sure that you're, you already seem, like, incredibly intelligent. You've obviously sought out a lot of self-education on your own. But, like, your dad, like, Frank, you as an influence had to have been pretty big in early childhood, without a doubt. Like, I know there was a, and my mom still talks about this to people, where, like, when I was, I don't even know how old I must have been. But you literally sat me down at the kitchen table at your parents' house and you put one M&M in front of me and you were like, if you wait here for 10 minutes, I will give you seven M&Ms. And I sat and I waited and I got seven M&Ms. And it was like, just well, like know, a that's, moment. That's an experiment, you know. Yeah. Is like that, you uh, would do. <laughs> that. That's one of, what's that, that called? Um. It's for instant gratification, right? So you put off instant gratification for a bigger reward. And that right. patience that you had, you know, that's, you know, it's funny. Emily knows, well, Emily could tell you how, maybe, you know, how I've influenced a little bit. Uh, I mean, growing up, we were always just like into science stuff and not even just like one particular subject because, you know, science is anything that you can study is science but like we were always into like like space and things like that and time travel and just like fascinating subjects and not in a super analytical way like we would just seek it out in in literature and movies and things like that so it made it fun to ask questions and to push the borders on things that we thought we knew and that i mean that definitely you know fed into my curiosity for just anything yeah, and I took you to the bookstore. From yeah, the we buy books. We buy and we read <laughs> it books. It doesn't even feel remarkable to me to mention that we buy books because it was just a normal thing that we did. Yeah. And we did it every single weekend since you were born, since before you were born, because Amanda can say the same yeah. thing. It's um, and we talked about this earlier. There's people out there burning books now and, you know, banning books. And it's a damn shame. Um, 
you know, and not I even that extreme. Like a lot of my friends just say that they don't read, like they're not burning books, but they're not seeking them out either. And it's just like, that's incredible to me. Like, why would you not read? There's so much for you to consume. It's the same. It's like you don't watch movies or you don't watch TV. Like you just you have to consume something. Like you got to learn something or you have to entertain yourself. Yeah. Right. I think, um, you know, the the it, when I was growing up, they always mentioned like the joy of reading, the joy of reading. And I was like, some kids don't find the joy of reading because the way that they were introduced to reading. If you're introduced yeah. to reading in school only and it's shoved down your throat and you don't find any joy in it because they're giving you something you don't like, then... Yeah. then I hate reading yeah. fiction for a long time after school and during school just because the types, not just the types of books that we were reading, because a lot of the books that were assigned reading, I think I would be interested in them now, but it's like the way they teach you to analyze books or like tell you that you can only enjoy fiction if you're analyzing it for a class. It's like, no. Yeah, it takes no. The, all the fun out of it. That's why I think comic books are are, are so important. You know, it, it, you can introduce reading to people with comics and they really enjoy it because. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, that's. I just hope people don't give up on on books. It is one thing that like I'm I'm terrified of. People not coming back full circle on that like the conversation you guys were having with john on the earlier one there were a lot of little moments where like I, like literally as i was listening i was just like because there's profit because there's profit because there's profit like, <laughs> you wanted to be like you wanted to be in in on that call to money who would have thought <laughs> but we it's like there's there's like little more he would be like he's like i just don't get it like they just they'll have someone on and they just let him lie about it and then it's like he was like, like he was talking about like george santos and he's like he'd be 13 why did they let him say that it's like yeah. then there's just an ad there's an article three days later it's like because now there's profit now yeah. there's more attention for him like and i hate and if that he lies there's more that they can sell about him that's yeah i hate that so much it drives me nuts but i don't let it consume my my time or thought you right. know like it's like i get it it's part of the world now I'm not going right. to go crazy over it, but it sucks. It sucks to know that, that, you know, people get sucked into this BS and it's, you know, one of the things we want to do is, is how do we get some of those people back out? And that's difficult. And that's where rhetoric and street epistemology comes in and trying to just have this conversation. I'm not, you know, I don't want to convince you of anything. I'm asking right. questions. I, I, you know, I don't want to be right. That's not the, that's not my approach. I don't even care to be right. Right. Like that's not the point. The point is that we should have a conversation. Let's see where it right. leads. You know, I think that's where the fun comes in with, um, he's definitely one of my more like that guy. I don't remember his name, but the YouTuber that does like the street epistemology channel. Anthony Magna Bosco. That's the same. I love yep. his channel. That he's was my fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he's fantastic with it. Like he, and it to that point, like trying to adopt that stuff changes your conversation so much. Yeah. Like you've, my buddy has. So this is a this is a fun story, not to like pivot and like hijack things, but no, my my 
my buddy. So for Thanksgiving, our we have a close friend, a uh, couple out here that we hang out with, uh, Doug and Jordan. They're great people. And they have two kids and they've raised them like wildly intelligent little six-year-old and four-year-old who's like, she's just a firecracker. But um, the six-year-old is, he's currently in first grade and he does math and it's like, you can already see, and like, I've talked to him about it and he's, he has ADHD as well. So it's like those moments of like, I know he's your kid and that that's not my place to tell you what to do with your kid, but you might want to look into some stuff and ashamed of it. Right. Right. You want to make sure that like he feels comfortable because there's little things he'll do where like the kid will, he's doing his math homework and they're like counting out the blocks or whatever. He'll be like, Oh, it's 13. He was like, Oh, seven plus six, 13. But wait, sorry. I have to do it like this. I have to draw the 10 and do three. And it's like, he understands the math already. He doesn't need to count it. He knows the answer, but he still for, you know, to get the credit in school, he has to abide by that system. And it's like, well, that's so hard to watch him. Yeah. That that's something we've talked about we haven't really talked about it in in the podcast yet, but we've talked about the system, the educational system, and the way that it just it, it just hurts some so many kids because they're they don't learn the way that 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 curriculum is designed and and but what do you do when the school's set up as a daycare center, basically? Yeah. That's that's my buddy and I have talked about that, too, where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, he, and he has said that, like, where it's to a degree, it falls on kind of like what you guys have done. It's like it falls on the parent. Like, if you but want we're your kid privileged to learn more, for that, but we're privileged. Right. And that's something that must also be spoken about. Right. I had the privilege of being able to take Emily to buy books. And I right, like my parents didn't. But I did. So it's different. What happens right. to the ones that don't have that privilege? Not every child is a two-parent household, lives in a two-parent mm-hmm. household. Some kids don't even live with their parents, either one of them. So like there's a you know, there's a level as a as a general culture, we should be nurturing uh neurodiversity rather than you know making it a personal issue. It should be we should have a system that celebrates neurodiversity rather than having this system of rigidity and then being like putting the blame on the parents on the individuals to pick themselves up after the system pushes them down yeah yeah i mean ideally yeah and that's a yeah that's a challenge that there's a system in place that and i say this all the time there's a system in place and that system is broken yep those gosh darn systems. I I don't know that I agree with you that it's broken. I think that it works as intended, and the intention <laughs> okay, is yeah, okay. very good. Yeah, like that's I think weird. that's really what it is. I that's think, I think fair. it's more the no, yeah. that's fair. I and and I I'll agree with that. That's that's fair. It's, a, it's it, detrimental, but it's doing what they want it to do. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, it's a well-oiled machine. I got it. <laughs> I got it. If, I, uh, at least yeah. in my opinion, like if I'm no, no, I, like, I when I said broken, I wasn't thinking about it that way. I will agree with that because 
you're looking at it from that standpoint. If it is a system, then the system is working as designed. Right. It doesn't help who we think it's supposed to help. I got it. It's, uh, yeah. I think I, it's though, it, I don't know. And this is a part that like goes back and forth for me. I don't know. And like, I got, I'm one of those people that like in youth and I can see his flaws now, but in youth, I went sort of down the Jordan Peterson pipeline of uh, information. Um, troublesome now, but uh, some good information, just definitely not all of it. Um, like context is always important, but he he had made a point where it was don't assume malevolence where ignorance will do yeah which which i thought was like that's some pretty that's like really choice wisdom which it's funny because i think a lot of what he does now is malevolence not ignorance yeah but it's it um but like, it holds a true lot of, what he said yeah it makes sense yeah like i think a lot of like the education system in this country for example i don't think that i think there's not enough funding to it for us to be able to like adequately approach educating all of our <laughs> yeah children. i yeah like i'm not saying that 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 problem's e easy solved because it's not yeah um and there's plenty of great educators that they really try i've been there i've seen it um and it's it sucks for them because they do such a good job but they're still in the system and they're fighting against the system in one way or another um so, yeah. I mean, I know it's, and, you know, and again, we can do things on our, uh, you know, as parents or whatever and help. Why, well, why wouldn't we, right? Like if I'm, if I have the ability to help my kids excel, I'm going to do that. But right. I, un, but I recognize that I am privileged to do that. So that's, then, that's an important yeah. distinction. I think that's yeah, like, you can't just be blind. Can't be blind, and it's like, well, I did it, then everyone else should. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work yeah. that way. So you know, it's uh, it sucks. It sucks to see it. Um, obviously, I'm gonna continue to do what I can, but it, it's... I meant to ask because it came up it, a few times in like the conversation you were having with John, and then a bit in the conversation the two of you had together. But like, do you guys know Albert Camus? I don't. No. Oh. I'm so excited to share something cool with you both. Good, good. Um, he is hands down one of my favorites. I actually have so like the quote. Repeat oh, again yes. for me what the. I recognize the name now. It took me a second. He he's got a lot of like major like one liners, but um, like the. So remind me again what the, the quote that the podcast name comes from is. I'm sorry. The quote comes from uh, Joseph Campbell. Okay. Joseph Campbell says, it is by going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure. That, I like that. I'm going to pull up real quick because I can't remember the quote exactly from Camus, but 
taken out and I don't want to butcher it. So it's no, it's good to look it up. <laughs> He's the the French absurdist, or am I mixing him up? That is him. He's a bit problematic in his marriage, but yeah, he was she his wife was also problematic. So it's like they just weren't right for each other kind of thing. <laughs> it cancels out. Um, I don't know that it does because that's like a <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald where yeah. it's like they're oh, both problematic, but then it's like just not Emily, not Emily's a fan a, of anything. Emily's a huge fan of the Fitzgeralds. Yeah. 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 I had to do my first thesis on F. Scott Fitzgerald and I had to drop out of it because I could not write about him. Wow. I was not a fan at all. And the more that I dug, the less that I liked. But <laughs> fair, honestly. I love Zelda's story. I um I haven't even read it yet, but I got the one novel that she did publish. I wanted to read it because it I think it's supposed to like closely resemble her story and so that's on that note, that's the funny thing with them. If you read The Great Gatsby, and this is what I made my thesis, and I had started with it as like a loose idea. And as I worked with my mentor, I was like, I don't like this anymore. Like, I hate him. I don't <laughs> want to write this. But in their, when they first meet in his early 20s, he's like Nick Carraway in the great yeah. gatsby he's very idealistic very optimistic full of hope and love and it's beautiful and the world is going to be great as they get into their late 20s and they're married and like flying everywhere he's like gatsby they're throwing money everywhere doing whatever they can and he hits his 30s and he becomes tom and he locks her away and he's abusive and he does whatever he wants while she's locked aside yeah. and it was just like the great gatsby is like F. Scott Fitzgerald's autobiography, and no one talks about it, and it's awful. Yeah, and it makes me so angry. <laughs> um, but the the Camus quote, sorry, as I got derailed, <laughs> is, uh, "There is no sun without shadow. It is essential to know the night." Yep. Yep. And he has a few other gold ones, but that one, like, I literally like printed that out and I hung it up on my wall. Yeah, because it's I'd... just like. I like a lot of Joseph Campbell's stuff because it's all about, it's similar to those. Um, I picked the, you know, I picked where you stumbled just because that one made sense to me, you know, because I've been yeah. there several times, many times I've been there. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of other, a, a lot of other times where, where people go through, through you know tough times and and they come out of it sometimes they don't come out of it um but we're going to try to help people come out of it and talk about the you know like being you know Dominican I know you're half Dominican being Dominican is a struggle in itself yeah <laughs> it's I like to tell my friends that it's being Dominican is like being the rednecks of the Hispanic community. <laughs> and, Terrible. but, and then the funny thing is though, you have Mark Twain in the rednecks, you have William Faulkner in the rednecks. So it's like, you have a lot of wisdom waiting in there, but 
people look us over. Yeah, I yeah I think um, we there's a lot of gems in the Dominican uh, culture and and in the country. It's just give us a chance and we'll show you. You know, give us a chance. If I only mean, we, we weren't ruled by dictators for the past couple hundred years, maybe we would have done something. Yeah. Right. I mean, we got some damn good baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, America loves us when we can give them good sports players. That's that's. <laughs> yeah. What um, I'm gonna change the topic a little bit because we didn't get to talk. What um, what kind of movies are you into these days, Matt? Um, I like watching things that are difficult. Like that's. Of course, my camera falls now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I like, I like watching things that are kind of difficult and like you have to dissect. So, like, I just went back. I never watched Twin Peaks, so I've been watching that lately. But um, as far as movies go, what's something? Did you guys see Annihilation recently? No. With Natalie Portman, that was yeah. really good. Fun little sci-fi romp, but like, I don't know. I like, I like film in general. Um, I actually have a hard drive with quite a lot on it, but like, um, a buddy of mine, Keith from work, was talking about Fight Club recently. Like, he had brought it up and wanted to talk about like what an incredible movie that is. And I was like, however deep you think you can go on that movie, you can go deeper. Like it's yeah. layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. But like, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, man, there's not really like a, a limit. I will, I'm the sort of person that I will watch a movie by myself. Like I have no problems with that. Um, like if you guys have recommendations or if you have something you watched recently, I would love to hear it. Um, I think the last movie I watched at the theaters was Black Panther. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I liked it. I I thought they did a great job. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I watch a lot of I like rom coms. I like I like a lot of stuff. I don't like like I don't watch horror movies. Mm -hmm. I just not for anything. I just never really cared for them. Um. I like comedies and I like sci-fi. So anything that has to do with time travel, dimension, you know, multi-dimension, multi-world, you know, that's that's my thing. Um, um, yeah, I think Emily likes those type of movies too. Yeah, I'll watch pretty much anything. I I will watch like horror and thrillers, just not as often. I haven't watched anything new lately but i have been thinking about movies that i've seen like a while ago like i watched american Psycho once but it's it's like playing over and over again in my head and um i'm thinking about american Psycho and midsummer like just comparing those movies a lot but i've only watched those movies once but i might have to revisit them those are so when i say difficult to watch i usually mean like it sounds elitist, but like most people don't like sitting through the movies that I'm like sitting through yeah. glued and like dissecting the scene. And like, I love when a movie will give you something like, what was it? Um, 
I mean, Annihilation is the most recent one I can think of where, like, it's there are some like tense thriller moments in it, but the overarching idea is there is a life form that crashes on Earth and it is taking over the area around it. It's not like it's it's a field around this thing that crashes on earth and it it's on hbo i definitely recommend if you guys don't have it i'll give you my login if you guys no we got it. it it's just okay good we have them um, all <laughs> same yeah and we, it's we, yeah we have to watch stuff same i it, recently sorry matt oh uh, no, no, i recently I recently rewatched the the Godfather trilogy. That's about nine hours of movie, um, glued because I watched it so long ago. I was a kid, really, when I watched it, and yeah. um, and you know, I mean, I I think it's one of it's the you know, I think Godfather is the greatest one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, it's up there in my top three, and that's crazy because. Um, I have other, you know, I have other movies that are that I that I love, you know, like the Matrix trilogy and the, you know, like the Matrix changed my whole <laughs> way of looking at things. And then you know, like other stuff like that, not so serious, like you know, Back to the Future and you know things yeah. that are different genre, whatever. But um, have you read Baudelaire? No. Or so that's a. Simulacra and Simulacrum, I think is the mm-hmm. name of the essay. It's the he's a French French. I love the French. It was based he, on yeah, the Matrix was based on that. I just yeah, read the it. idea that like we cannot understand the many layers of simulation that we live under every day. And like even if we could get out, it wouldn't matter because we would literally be standing outside of it and participate within it anyway. Yeah. Like it's it's trippy as hell, but it's a good read. I would recommend it. Yeah. I I definitely would would read that cuz I think about that without reading it. I think about it all the time like you know different levels of the different dimensions and and I mean like higher dimensions, not crazy, right? Like not crazy um I don't like to go into craziness. When when I mean craziness is like Things that don't make sense. I'm not just making things up. It has to right. still make sense because then you're just making stuff up. Um, so it's not like, you know, it's not like, uh, again, it's just not crazy. It's it's more like there are different dimensions. There are different levels of existence and we live on this level of existence, but there are other I believe that there are other ones. That's like um you've seen Cosmos, I take it, like Carl yeah, Sagan's yeah. Cosmos. Yeah, yeah. Where he like describes the fourth dimension. Yes. And that's that blew my mind yeah. just completely. Like that that whole premise. And it was... makes sense. Right. Then we can't deny because of that, we can't deny that there are other dimensions because we it doesn't matter we just are not equipped to be able to see them we we just right. yeah so yeah so yeah um 
I don't mind sitting through a good movie. Give me a three-hour movie. I'm going to sit through it if it's good. You know, like at, at any day. Because even now, if a three-hour movie is released and it and I and it's good, I'm gonna go see it. I I'm fascinated with with film and 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 storytelling. And um, if you make a good movie, I'm gonna go see it. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about controversy or stuff that's going on. Like I rec, you know, it's, I, I mentioned that because. Um, the the Flash movie, the new Flash movie is coming out in June. Uh, um, and there's controversy, but here's my because thing. of Ezra Miller. But here's my take on that: Ezra Miller is one person. It takes over a thousand people to make a movie, especially a movie of that size. So, right, that's it. You're gonna one one person does one thing or whatever and everyone else that worked on this is going to no it doesn't make sense to me i i don't care i i want to see a good movie and i know how difficult it is to make a movie and there's thousands of people involved in this particular movie so i'm gonna go see it not because you know just because i it, all those other people are involved I think that that's an issue we have, like the idea of it's almost like virtue signaling to a degree. I think with some things, it becomes really difficult. Like, like I personally, like I, I don't disagree, but then the dichotomy for me is I won't play the new Hogwarts game. Yeah. So then it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's that weird disconnect of, and I, and I understand the Hogwarts game is a different, is I think the Hogwarts, like, yeah, you can compare them, but I think that game is different because of the plot of the game is, like, explicitly anti-Semitic and just, just like, the game itself and, is gross, not just the people involved. And anti-trans, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, but that's, like, I think that's different. That's a good point there. The movie, the Flash movie They're trying itself. to tell a good story, but one of the people right. involved is you know, a little shaky sometimes. That's yeah. a fair point. It's It's different where it's, like, it we had this conversation. Yeah, we had this conversation about R. Kelly. Not yeah, and it was I. I don't think I don't know if it was you, Anne, but we had the conversation where it's like, okay, I'll I'll listen to R. Kelly, and then the uh, counter argument was, well, he's writing about the things that he's doing, so his art, yeah, right. So like his art is not separated yeah. from him. So then it's like, you know what? You make a strong point. The point, right, it, it makes sense where you could have a guy that makes good music and did something awful, but the music is still, it's completely different. In his case, he's writing about the awful things he was doing. So then it's not, the, to me, it's not the same. And yeah. It makes sense. I, I like that argument. I, I yeah. You know. It's and like the context wasn't about- there. Yeah, you said like, something we about didn't like, know virtue signaling, and I think that's a good point. Like, I think lately a lot of people turn everything into a moral issue where it might not need to be, where it's like, are your hobbies uh, signaling that you're evil, secretly evil or something, where it's like, not everything is a matter of, like, I'm not putting evil out into the world by connecting with a person I've never met 
through one of their artistic outputs. And I don't know, I think it's because everything is so visible online now, like everything that you consume is visible. So now everybody has this need to defend the things that they consume. Whereas I think it's, I don't think it's that deep, honestly. It's the, um, what's that whole thing? No ethical consumption under capitalism, I think it is. Like people chant that, but it's like, no, there's literally none. Like you can't, you trace it back and there is none. Like you can't, you would literally not be able to have anything if, if you try to live that way. Yeah. So it's like, you have to choose. I, um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I watch Woody Allen movies. I love Woody (laughs) Allen, Woody (laughs) Allen's work. Um, I think he's, I think he's a genius as far as, you know. Artistic. I mean, my favorite movie is Whatever Works. Like, I rewatch that movie all the time. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Or Midnight in Paris, even. Midnight yeah, in I Paris is it. another one that yeah. like. A time-traveling Woody Allen movie. Like, come on. That's with good. Owen Wilson. <laughs> yeah, with Owen Wilson and Rachel McAdams. Yep. I mean, come and on. And he meets F. Scott Fitzgerald. He meets the good, like yes. the nice F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda. That was my introduction like... to American classic literature, honestly. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that's how I like. That's that what that is what sparked my interest initially, like watching that movie. Yeah. So it's, that's a good it... way. That's a good gateway drug for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, Midnight in Paris, um, Annie Hall which we just saw, watched uh, the other day. I hadn't seen Annie Hall because it came out in like 1974 or something like that. So I wasn't even born. Um, I love that movie. I, I just, um, Love and Death, right? Was it Love and Death? I haven't seen I that so. one. Where he's, uh, that one is freaking funny as hell. I love that. So the point is some people don't like Woody Allen, but I love his art. So I don't care. I'm a Louis C.K. fan. Yeah, I mean, Louis C.K. just and sold out the Garden. Yeah, so that says a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's and what's funny is in his special, he actually says, like in the beginning of the special, he says, "I'm really happy you're all here tonight. I know a lot of you have at least one friend who doesn't know you're here." He's like, <laughs> yeah. "You have a friend you told you're at a comedy show somewhere, but you didn't say who." And it's like, yeah. Yeah, well, here's fair, the man. thing. I'm a I'm a big defender of comedy. I don't. Same. I'm not. I, I I think people need to chill the fuck out when it comes to comedy. And a comedian goes on. They are a lot of times they're not serious, right? They're not. They don't mean it. Um, they. It's comedy. It's supposed to be difficult subjects and the comedian sees it his way and he's got us, you know, something to say. So fuck out of here with that. I think a lot of that recently though, it's kind of weird because it's sort of, I think a lot of it is calculated. And I think it's like, I think Dave Chappelle knew what he was doing with a lot of what he's done. Mm -hmm. Cause in earlier specials, he talks about other comedians. Like he doesn't mention who, but he says explicitly in his comedy, like people hear him on stage, like hear so-and-so on stage. He's like, and I talk to him backstage and when he goes out, he tells his jokes and shit. But I'm thinking to myself, 
he means that shit. Like he 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 knows yeah. what he's saying. He's trying to get away with it, but yeah, it's I was like say, I don't think that comedy is always about like not meaning what you say, but it is. It's supposed to offer like like it's social commentary, but it's not like to be taken literally to the highest extent. You know, it is. Right. It's like we're gonna analyze this and we're gonna be silly about it, and you know, you take as much as is useful to you. Yeah. I also think it's a problem like people don't know how to look at a thing and know that it's just not for them. Like mm-hmm. everyone thinks Well, I see those everything people. is for yeah. them. I, I, I yeah. see those people that go to a comedy show and they're like, Well, I came to this show because I wanted to laugh and it's like, but you knew who you were coming to see, right? And it's a comedian, it's comedy. So right. if something doesn't um if something bothers you, just shut the fuck up. Just yeah. shut the fuck up. Let the let the man work. Let or the woman or whatever. Let him work. Let the comedian work. There Why the um, yeah? Go ahead. No, sorry. I'm trying no, to. No, I was. Of, just, I can't remember who it was. I was just gonna say like why, you know, I. It, why is it so easy these days to you know to attack a comedian? They're doing a job, and they. Again, it's like Emily said, it's social commentary, but they're, they're doing it in a way that that brings joy to many. And yeah, sometimes you're going to hear something that you don't like, but just, you know, just shut up. I think sitting in the audience is not the place to police what someone's saying because it's not a conversation. But I like, yes, you you can disagree with someone, but when you're sitting in the audience, it's just not. That's not how you disagree with someone, but because it is social commentary, like, yeah, like, but you need different voices. So you can't just say you're saying it the wrong way. Therefore, you shouldn't be a comedian. But you you always need different voices. We need different genres of comedy. We need different people commenting on the same thing in different ways. But also like a comedian, a truly good comedian already sees the world in a different way. So the way he's seeing the world is the way he's seeing the world. Are you going to, you know, stop him from being himself because one person, you know, feels a certain way? No, you can't do that. You, you, You people have to be who they are. The comedians are who they are. And they see the world from a different lens, man. That's why they're so good, because if 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 they weren't, then everyone would be a comedian. And that shit is hard. It is hard to I think write. it also they lead dialogues. Like I think that it the entire trans debate that's going on right now, like if Dave Chappelle hadn't released the specials he did, would it be as big of a deal? Like would people even really be arguing for well, for yes. Would as many people be speaking out against trans rights and causing the debate to escalate? They I talk about so. Yeah. They talk about the difficult subjects and they Add some humor to it, but now the subject is out there, and, right. and then we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. There's a lot of stuff that people don't want to talk about because it's easy not to address a problem. Very. But then it's easy to be like, "Oh, I'm offended." Yeah, because it's easy to say that. It's easy to cry out and and blame someone else, but it's not easy to look at the whole thing and be like, "You know what? I should be. I should do better." I should be a better person. Right. 
and that that can happen in 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 almost in everything right like most people take the easy way out and it sucks i think it extends to a lot of different things too though like it so with that in mind like with that premise of people like to avoid the topic one one thing that always i don't know if you guys are big star wars fans or not no, yes not really. but, but not not the recent stuff just not like, okay just good because that's actually yeah. i was hoping that that would be the case um so like i have a buddy i love them but i love them because i have two little sisters on my dad's side um one hannah is 20 i'm gonna be a bad brother she turns 24 in april when i turn 34 and mackenzie is going to be 16 this year mackenzie grew up on the new star wars movies like they came out like rogue one came out when she was like seven or eight so it was huge for her she'd never seen a movie like that it's like her first romp into sci-fi and like having ray be a jedi in the new trilogy was huge for her too and it's like this is awesome like this thing that i got i grew up on that was awesome for me is awesome for my little sister and like we get to bond over this and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I have friends that are like, these movies are trash. These are the worst movies. Like they're not even good cinema. And it's like, that, I'm sorry. At what point was Star Wars good cinema? Like, what, <laughs> like, like we're going to put it in the same camp as Godfather. Like we're going to like, you're, you're going to try and compare like George Lucas to like what? And <laughs> like, He's not Federico Fellini. Like, he can leave that. And he wants to be Akira Kurosawa, but he's not at all. So, like, just leave that alone. But the entire premise that, like, that thing exists, and the argument that always kills me is that's not the blank that I grew up with. And it's like, yeah, it's not. That, you're almost yeah. there, bro. You I almost get it. You almost get it. But I... I think a lot of people just like to complain about stuff like um, and compare stuff like, um, look, I just like comic books. So when I when I watch a Marvel movie, I'm just watching a movie. I'm not right. comparing it to DC. I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm going to watch something good that I that I like that entertains me that are they all going to be good? No, that's the way it is they're entertained we are lucky that we get the stuff that we're getting when we were kids we never got any any of that stuff we, we got, would have loved to have this shit yeah so it's like <laughs> now we're getting all of this stuff in live action and it's amazing and um and people are always complaining and comparing and i think i think they just you know they just don't have anything else to do like Again, give me a good movie and I'm happy because yeah, take it for what it is. It's entertainment. It's they know. could easily stop making yeah. movies. If we, you know, if, if you complain about everything and don't go see the movies, they will stop because if there's no money in it, they're not going to make no them. We're freaking right. lucky that we get these movies. So, and you don't have to go see all of them because, you know, like the whole superhero fatigue yeah it's like you're making a bunch of movies but i don't go i don't watch all of them if i don't want to right. i'm not forced to watch them I, I go and i see the ones i like that's why i kind of like that they do like disney plus like i didn't have anyone near me to go see 
it's it's hard out here like in wisconsin going like if i'm gonna watch i wanted to see wakanda forever on an imax screen mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna drive an hour and 30 minutes by myself to watch wakanda forever on an imax screen like it feels yeah. weird so like it's out on disney plus now like that's dope like i can just yeah. if i wait long enough on that random saturday that i'm free i can watch that awesome movie on my own time like just enjoy the the content that's been put out there because again they could not make it you know we 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 we're from the time when they didn't make all these uh comic book movies we got yeah. what we wished right we, we wished we could see these things when we were kids and we got it so like give me a break man like stop stop the damn complaining and just live a little get some joy out of the stuff that's the the hard thing for me with capitalism is like i don't know that we could feasibly like we could definitely have a more ethical system than we do but i don't know that we could have as well targeted of a like content creation system as we do under capitalism and that's like that for me is it's almost like it sounds really shitty to say out loud but is the entertainment we get today worth the harm we cause today and that's like a really hard one for me to wrestle with because it's the entertainment and joy of me and everyone i know worth the pain and suffering of millions of people that i don't if not billions yeah i mean i i don't think you can blame the entertainment business on on the suffering of billions um you know because I don't, then... millions at the least i would say like millions at the least it's difficult and like i mean i don't want to sound depressing i'm not trying to be depressing no i'm i'm For trying me, to it's more like yeah. it's it's like the absurdist argument so like Camus and i'm i'm gonna send you guys books because they're fantastic yes, but please. the the big thing with Camus is like you you essentially have to look at life knowing that and like emily the reason i bring him up is like emily had mentioned uh, on the talk with john about nihilism mm-hmm. and like for a while i i used to write about and talk about on facebook back when i had it the idea of like posi nihilism which is like there is nothing there is a void at the end of everything and it's beautiful this is fantastic <laughs> and people would be like that's not uplifting <laughs> And it's like, but it is. Yeah, it's liberating. You don't have any shackles to anything. You can just choose. Exactly. Your life is literally, you get to assign the meanings you want. It is literally your choice to live as you see fit. But some people need the structure. Like some people do need to be told, like, why do I need to be happy? What's good about life for me to be happy? And it's like, you can, you get to make that. You get to choose Mm -hmm. that. That's even better. Um, but like his whole argument is, um, and this is, it's to save you a long, arduous and pretty pompous read. The myth of Sisyphus is Sisyphus. He's I, your eyes. You have, you heard about this or no? Yeah. It's Frank. Do you know this one or no? I've heard it, but I don't remember. So the myth of Sisyphus is that, uh, Sisyphus 
tricks his way out of the underworld to get back to Earth and to like live it up again. It's kind of like Faust. So like he gets back to Earth, he gets to like drink and party and dance and have fun. And they catch him. And then when they catch him, they're like, all right, you are now condemned to the underworld. You have to push a boulder up a hill forever. And as whenever you get it to the top of the hill, it's going to roll back to the bottom of the hill and you're going to have to push it up the hill again for eternity. And Camus says, we have to imagine Sisyphus is happy because he gets to push the boulder up the hill forever. So he's constantly leveling up. There, you can see the illusion, like we know, seeing from the outside, but he's happy because he's always leveling up. He's always working towards something. And that's true happiness. And yeah. it's like... <laughs> I, I think about the, you know, nihilism and, and balance of, like, how much am I going to do? How much mm -hmm. can I realistically do and there's has to be a balance because we live in a capitalist society it's not going to change um and if if you know you have to do what what makes you happy as well and kind of balance it out um you know you can say like okay so you you sort of give in but what else are you going to do what else are you going to do? You're yeah. going to disappear because that's not an answer to for me. That's not an answer. Like I, I, um, I, I, you know, Emily will tell you, I say this all the time. Nothing matters. Only nothing matters, but the things that matter. Right. So Emily knows what matters because I say it. my family matters. <laughs> right. So I choose what matters and everything else doesn't matter. And, you know, that's, that's, to me is, it's extremely important to know that, like, look, man, at the end of the day, nothing really does, does matter because we're all going to go and we're going to disappear one day and it's not going to matter. We'll be whatever. But while we're still here, you know, make sure some things matter. So that's my, my little outlook <laughs> i like it it's i mean for me can... the weird thing is like i have this weird sort of like and emily this might be like when when i said myth of sisyphus you seem to like brighten up at the idea of it but like yeah. it the thing for me and it might just be like the autism but it there is something about the answer being complex that makes it so much more satisfying like i don't disagree with what you're saying frank but and like we are saying the same thing in different ways basically it's just like the the complexity of camus explanation and the fact that like he has like cited sources and historical references to like state this is fact or like yeah. argue the point that it's a but fact you didn't get here easily you didn't mm -hmm. right conclusion easily right like like it's almost as if there needs to be uh it's it's not even a matter of like a work cited page does it because the index is that nobody reads the index like no one's reading the work cited and like is like oh did he really cite the right reference like is that article correct like you're not rating the work cited page for that 
it's it's more that like knowing that there are more tethers to that truth and that there are more things that truth relies on is somehow it supersedes just like a, an anecdotal truth in a weird way like it it sounds it sounds shitty, but it's like that's the, that, at least for me. I know that's what does it. Like, and Camus seems to like everything that Nietzsche tried to argue. Camus was just like, "I got you, bro. I got you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it one step further here." And it's like I was gonna bring up makes my introduction to epistemological nihilism was my teacher sent me this article about uh, about about nihilism and it was talking about Nietzsche's ideas of active versus passive nihilism which is sort of what dad was saying earlier where it's like nothing matters except for the things that matter where it's like yeah you can annihilate all of this meaning that other people have tried to prescribe and then the active part comes after that where now that you're left with nothing you still need to fill those gaps with something but those gaps are filled with what you choose to fill it with rather than following some predetermined template that someone handed to you yep bingo that's i have a lot of friends that uh and like i've had conversations with them about it because of it where they are atheists because they're not christians and it's like it's it's not that they're like genuinely like started the journey of atheism right like they're like oh no i'm an atheist and it's like well why it's like because i hate my parents and it's like (laughs) that's that's it's not enough man like what give me your give me a good reason like i want to know what you think i want to hear that secular philosophy has so much more to offer than anti-christianity yeah and even that like in my book it's kind of like if if your atheism is rooted in anti-christianity you're not really atheist you're just you are still christian you just Mm -hmm. hate yourself for being christian yeah and it's like you know we grew up in a catholic household both of us yeah um and you know i understand it i don't you know i don't hate it i i um i think a lot of people need it because they just it 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 makes it makes the world make sense for them um you know that's not the reason right it's like being anti-religion is not the reason that's you know i i think um and I had a friend that that uh, wants to be on the podcast, right? And he's he he wants to understand atheism because he doesn't believe that we're atheists, right? He believes that if some crazy thing happened, that we would turn to God. And I'm like, man, you don't understand how this works. So, um, yeah, you see Emily smiling because she would. She wants him to be on the show. She wants him to get on so that she... those are fun conversations. Yeah. I'll be no, honest. They like they really are. Like Yeah, they are. Um he had his example, you know. So we'll we'll leave that at that for him to bring up. But uh look, man, we had a near death experience here just a few, about a month ago. We had a tornado rip through our backyard. Um we were here. Um we had like ten down trees in our yard, one was 10 feet away from ripping our house in half. Um, and look, nobody was praying here. Uh, yeah, we were sitting in that bathroom waiting for the <laughs> we were just like, I actually have, our thumbs. Yeah, I actually have video of 
of right before it happened and right after it happened, I went outside and I sent it to a friend of mine. And he's like, man, you're a little too calm because I was just like, well, we're out here, you know, it. I mean, you have no control it, in that situation. So yeah, you just so got to sit like, back and wait for events to unfold. Yeah. And you're we were just, yeah. I was going to say you're too calm because obviously God doesn't like you. That's yeah. <laughs> you should just be so to... much more afraid. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, man, we're good. And, yeah. you know, everyone was like, well, how are you not panicking? I'm like, look, man, the trees fell. They can't fall again. So that I see that as a good thing. Right. Yeah. So now I don't they have fell these... in the right place. Yeah. And that was it. it it's just some people can't understand that, um, you know, that you can go through life perfectly fine without a belief in i think it it comes down on like the miracle factor like people think that if if you get a miracle i think one of you two had brought it up in the conversation or actually emily you had brought it up i i remember now because i was literally like i got to the driveway right when when i was hearing it but you had mentioned um the idea that like the the sort of like the factors that play a role the experiential factors that cause people to make the choices they do like murderers or rapists whatever it might be where it's like why don't we examine the factors that led to that and like you know a person could be totally fine but they have that one bad day and there's actually on the note of comics from before frank there's i'm sure you've read it but there's uh the i don't think it's the killing joke i think it is just one bad day is it's like a batman comic like mm -hmm. a one shot and it's literally about how the Joker becomes the Joker. And it's like, he has one bad day. He's a comedian and he has that one bad day and that's it. It's, he loses it all. And it's, it's weird to think that if you had that one bad day, that would make you religious. Like that's when you're, you're just lucky enough that life that hasn't been. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, but that's um, the whole misunderstanding of it. Because um, being atheist is uh, is is not understood because they yeah. don't take the time to understand. If right. someone truly took the time to understand it, they may not agree or change their way, but they would understand it. And I just think that that and I I said this before too that. Um, pe some people that that be that believe that it's like okay, you don't believe in God, so you must believe in the devil. It's like no, I don't believe. Yeah, in any of it. That... I don't believe in any of it. It's it doesn't matter. You're missing the point. <laughs> yes. And that's and that's where you know that they don't understand. It's like yeah. I don't even think you really understand what you're talking about. And it's not, I hear you know... this uh, a lot in, I watch a lot of atheist podcasts, and one thing that they reiterate a lot to theists that don't quite understand atheism is that you and I, are, they, they'll say like to the theists, they'll say, you and I are both athe atheists in every religion. You're just atheist in one less religion than I am. I don't <laughs> believe in all of the gods. You don't believe in all of the other gods. And I think yeah. putting it like that, like from someone else's point of view, you know, I'm not going to achieve nirvana, but I don't even believe that thing exists. Right. 
So that's the thing. They don't understand it. So they they only look at it from their point of view. And I get it. It's difficult to unlearn things that you were taught to because, you know, if you believe in God, when did you start? Yeah. I've written you... this topic before. Well, I haven't published it because I haven't published any of my writing, but, you know, you were born atheist and then someone indoctrinated you. Someone told you that you believe in God. And then you didn't start believing in God one day because it's hard to track like, oh, does this three-year-old truly believe in God? But, you know, that, that type of thing is like groomed into you from, yeah. from, that was my point. Or from your birth. But that's my point with the question, right? When did you start? When did you make the decision? You didn't. Someone made it for you. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't matter how you how you um argue that. That's what it is. It, it you someone made the decision for you. You were lucky to be lucky to be born <laughs> in a certain part really? of the world. <laughs> it's like you know, you were what's the that um I think what was it? I think it was Woody from Woody Allen movie. It's like, no, you're lucky to be born. It was from whatever works. Where he says something like that you, you were know, lucky to be born Jewish? Or lucky to be born or... in the religion that you're you're in or whatever. Oh okay. yeah, because oh. the the right religion is always the one that you were born into. All of the other ones that exist on other parts of the world or maybe just down the block from you, that's the wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that that's fun with it too, though. Like I, I'm weird on it. I firmly believe. Like, have you guys ever watched uh, Altered Carbon? Yes. So Emily, you dig it? It's a sci-fi show. It's pretty dope. Like, really dope. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a premise on it where like Christians live under a different rule than atheists. Like legally, they are bound to Christian laws in the eyes of the law. Yeah. So like there's like there's different operations that can be done on people because it's set in a sci-fi world. If you are Christian, you are not allowed to have any of those done for you or like have any of those procedures. It's it's literally illegal for Christians to do those things, which to me was just like. Do it, please <laughs> just let them all shut up, <laughs> let them have their laws and stay out of ours. That'd be great. I would love yeah. that. But yeah, I think it was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix now. There's two seasons, and I can't remember his name for the life of me. But the guy that plays the Falcon, Anthony Marvel, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie is in the second season, mm -hmm. and Joel. I always forget his name too. The first season. Either way, both seasons are great, and they delve really well into sci-fi and sort of yeah. like alien species and yeah it was really the, good. it's it's a really good watch you'll probably you'll binge straight through it off the first episode trust so we did an hour and 33 minutes yeah dang which is pretty cool right went by really fast um what did you think matt you want to join us on more of these um yeah, i'd man. love to have this you was fun I'd love to have you join us on on more of these. We just have to schedule them. Okay. Yeah. I am think? still curious to do the if unless Emily's going to conduct it, like I'm sure like you would probably want to do the one for your dad for where he stumbled. 
You're talking about the one-on-one? Uh... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think Emily's going to do her mom. Yeah. Oh. And Yeah, yeah. Because Matt wants to do mine. Yeah, that's why. And... I wouldn't want to take that from you if you planned on doing that. So. Yeah, so I actually do it myself. The first one I did was just me talking to the camera. No one was in the room. Um, so I asked myself the questions, but, uh, you, you know, maybe I, I missed that. It was only like three minutes. It oh, okay. Was I was going to say like, I didn't yeah. get to see. That was really like my, my introduction to it. Um, I didn't like being on camera. I didn't like how I sounded. So this is all new where I'm very comfortable now. Um, good. Yeah. So. I I wouldn't mind doing it. Um, the way that we could do it is, you know, this is just using webcams, but I have the you know the other setup with the with the film, you know, the good cameras and the good microphones and stuff. And I'll set that all up, and we'll have a call. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to have these more because um, you know the one on ones are going to be great. And those are specific to the person, which I like, where this is more broad and it allows us. It's more lighthearted. Yeah. And, and look, you get to meet your cousin and talk to your cousin that and and you see you have a lot in common. Yeah. And, you know, we, we should do this more um, just for this. Right. So. You know, we did two in one day. I mean, I did and we did an hour and 15 with John. And an hour and 30 something tonight, which was cool. This is what I want. Like, I want to be able to, you know, talk about whatever.